Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Song Mess. My name is Richard Villegas. And I'm Beverly Bryan. And we are out here listening to this new hotness underground music. Uh, what do you think about this track, Bev? I'm really excited that we're playing this song on our show. Let yeah. me just say that. It's it's the ticket. And um, we're just going to play out this track. And when we come back, we'll tell you why we're playing it, who it's by, and why you guys are in for a goddamn treat. Yes, we are. And um, Beverly, I, I mean, I, I kind of can't handle it. Like, who is in the studio with us right now? Because I, I, just, I just don't have the heart to tell the listeners. Guys, we finally have um, most of the band Balloon 
here with us. And Holy they, shit. they let us play <laughs> their new song, which no one else has heard yet. Holy shit. We, this is for the first, not only are we talking to Balloon in this episode, but we, we premiered a song for the first time in the history of Song Mess, and it's a Balloon song. So I just want to start by asking... What the hell is wrong with you guys? Do you not know that we're song must for nothing? Like, thank you so much for letting us play this song. Holy we're, crap. We're fans of the podcast, so we're honored to be here and yeah, to have you in our in our living room. And yeah, we're we're super psyched to be here and and also to premiere this song for you. We just decided to do it um this morning. We were like, we we don't want to play something that's that people have already heard. So yeah, we thought this would be like the perfect opportunity to so yeah to premiere something we're we're verklempt um what what is the song called and what um hold on can you tell us about it before we do all that let's actually introduce who's speaking okay sorry (laughs) (laughs) um and so yes so please introduce yourselves hi my name is angelica and i play accordion and sing in balloon uh, my name is Jose Young Fred Armisen, and I play yeah! drums and keyboards and laptop guy. That's Y U N G Young Fred Armisen. Yes, <laughs> hit, hit me up in, at Twitter. Young Fred, Young Fred. <laughs> Hi, my name is Nora, and I play bass and cuatro and tiple with balloon. <laughs> Happy to be back in New York for a couple of days. So this is hella crazy and like yeah so we're we're in Balloon's living room right now and um so yeah so Beverly what was that what was that question again I'm sorry Um I don't know I think we should just be like uh I could be a nerd about Balloon really fast this Please is a band me. that um has been around for 10 <laughs> years um at least uh you know they do like really cool experimental electronic indie pop they're doing um new stuff and the new stuff is even better than their old stuff, which yes. brought them this uh, cult following that has been waiting for the new stuff. And um, now there's even new, new stuff. So um, so what was that song we just played? And what can you tell us about it? Angelica. So this song is uh, called Entretela. And this is always a hard one to translate. Can you guys help me out? Entretela Entretela. Is- um, I don't know. You can Between say like... Between fabric or something? I don't know. Swamp Swampton fabric. fabric or... Yeah. I don't know. Swaddled? Between... I, I was going to say something really stupid, like <laughs> prince, prince-like. Between the cheats. But that's not what it is. <laughs> that's exactly I, not what it the is. The whole opposite. But, my bad. <laughs> no, but that... It sounds better than when would you, fabric. When would you use it? Or like, why did you name the song that? We... Well... Um, if we count Memoria Textil as our latest album before this, which is with in balloon discography, it's hard to tell what what's a real album. But I think Memoria Textil was one that um, that we really dig, dug into, like the whole textile aesthetic, and for th- and we did a limited run of it, which was a uh, hundred copies of this textile that we screen printed over. And Jose at the time was working on his thesis that was like with mixing Andean textiles with um, pixel art. with pixel art too. So we've always been obsessed with fabric and textiles. And yeah, I think for this song it was it's like a lot of balloon songs about confusion and about not knowing where you are. And <laughs> Midi wants attention. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry. Um, and Come here, I'll give you attention. And <laughs> so I think just being in between something, uh, and in this case was just fabric, was something that came to mind. But it's just like a lot of balloon songs, it's more about how the word sounds than what it actually means. And then... Um, the lyrics are also very stream of consciousness that then get organized, but then all of that gets combined in a way that um, that the more I listen to it, the more sense it makes, but it came from a place of very abstract. Yeah. And it, the, the lyrics also mention like popular phrases that we use, like tela para cortar, like when you're talking and oh, there's yeah. a bunch to catch up, oh, hay mucho para hablar, hay mucha tela para cortar. Uh -huh. It's like, yeah. I don't know, popular saying. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a song about denial and, like, there, there's mucha tela para cortar, uh, but um, just saying it is not actually doing it. So, yeah. Yeah. All Sorry, I feel like I was rambling a lot. No, that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I think one thing that, like, might help uh, listeners get up to speed on Balloon and, and what your whole complex mixture of ideas and flavors is, is um, you, you do a lot of things outside of Balloon that kind of feed the music. Like, um, would you would you mind going around and talking about sort of your your projects and activities outside of Balloon? Sure. Um, I'll start. I I'm a composer and I write a lot of music for films and a lot of music for chamber ensembles and orchestras. And um, I'm also a teaching artist. I love working on creative projects with kids in public schools in the city. Um, and I work with the New York City Department of Education, um, and I work in an initiative called Computer Science for All, uh, which is dedicated to bring equity in the fields of computer science, having um, underrepresented minorities and other um, minorities from New York learn computer science and have access to that. And I also have a music project. What's that? I'm doing the... About it, about it? No, I'm doing... I'm it. reminding you of saying Poderosos, and this oh, is my... Yeah. <laughs> yes. My emoji. My real-life emoji. And, uh, <laughs> real emoji and besides Balloon, I, I have a side project called Amigos Poderosos, which is where all the songs that don't fit Balloon end up, uh, but also help a lot. Like Entretela is a very Amigos Poderosos production, so mm -hmm. it helped. Balloon. Absolutely. I mean, like the synths and like sort um, of just like it's 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 very like like cheese pass, right? It's like yeah. sparks of just like a lot synthy of fun techno stuff. and house and a bunch of other stuff, um, which sometimes it's hard to find lyrics for. But it, in this case, the song actually worked in balloon. So, yes, that's that's what I it's did. very cool. And then Nora, I, I as far as I understand that you like work more like in academia, right? Yes, I uh, I am currently living in Puerto Rico. I am teaching there college students. Uh, so students call me La Doctor. <laughs> yeah, yes. I just discovered that the other day. Um, so I'm, I'm teaching in Puerto Rico in a private college right now. And what do you teach? I teach general music, uh, like music appreciation and world music, because my background is in ethnomusicology. You see, the thing you'd have to know about Balloon is that they all have giant brains. Oh, thank you. And that, that explains, <laughs> it explains a lot about their music, which is complex and, and rich, but also really, uh, really nice on the ears a lot of the time. So um, one thing uh, that I should probably disclose is that um, Angelica is going to be performing her solo stuff really soon. Um, at New Latin Wave. So that's going to be a festival October 22nd. And 
One thing I need to tell you guys right now is that I'm I'm trying to do publicity for it, or I am doing publicity for it, so I'm trying to get the word out. So just like I'm I'm all involved in this, and so now Song Mess is all involved in this. So hey, Bev, what is New Latin Wave? Um, <laughs> It is a festival that features, uh, it's one day right now, it's at Brooklyn Bazaar. Tickets are as low as $15, so go get them, guys. And um, it's going to feature amazing, groundbreaking music like Angelica's. It's going to feature um, a short film festival. It's going to feature a zine fest um, and a book fair, a, um, a video art deal the way that um, I see it in my mind is sort of like a really highbrow, really sort of like microcosm South by Southwest. Yes, it is super brainy. It is all about creativity and innovation by Latinx, brilliant people in New York City. You know, they're, they're trying to spark conversations about um, identity and culture, you know, in New York City. And I think it's really exciting. So... If anybody wants to do a story on it, hit me up. <laughs> now, my understanding is that it's a festival, but it's not exclusively a music festival. That said, Angelica Negron, you are going to be performing at New Latin Wave. Uh, what can we expect to see from you as part of your own solo music? So for my performance, uh, I will perform a collection of songs, mostly new songs that I'm just working on now. Um, and... There will be. I'll be using a, an instrument that I've been using for the past couple of of years now that I'm calling the veg, the veggie synth, um, and it's using a a musical interface called Ototo, and that turns anything that any material that's con, that's uh, conducts electricity into an instrument. So um, I'm using that mostly to trigger sounds that I have recorded. I use a lot of found sounds in my music, and the latest songs I've been writing are exploring a lot of really tiny sounds. I've been working with some samples of a, of a new baby in my family, um, beautiful Isla, that I miss a lot. And so, so she, made, she made really beautiful sounds for me, and I'm, I'm working on how I can translate those sounds into, into songs. And so it will be a lot of, it's mostly like uh, ambient pop, I, I would say. Uh, and vocal as well, but using and exploring uh, new interfaces for musical expression in terms of like trying to expand um, what I can use to to play electronic music uh, besides synthesizers or a laptop. So are you gonna hook it up to pumpkins to be scary for Halloween? Yeah. Hmm. You should try and Helen. Good. That's a good idea. Well, yeah. we have a we have a few of your pieces on the on the playlist. What's a good one to sort of like kick kick things off? Sure, we can do El Colapso, okay. uh, which is a song I I wrote uh, two years ago, and it features my very good friend that's also in Puerto Rico now, Bayoan, uh, who uh, plays with Ile, and he's one of my dearest friends, and he plays Sampoña and Charango in this song. Super cool. So this is Angelica Negron, and the piece is called El Colapso.
So I love that song. Um, I've been listening to it uh, quite a bit. And um, you were just telling me how you get those sounds. They, they come from your kitchen? Yeah, so a lot of, of my music uses found sounds that I record uh, from the environment, but I would say at least 75% of my sounds come from the kitchen, and I'm always surprised at the new sounds I get from the same pot and pan. Um, so I, like just by hitting it with different mallets, different materials, wood, uh, metal, uh, plastic, and... And I, for this song, all of the sounds that you're hearing as the electronics come from, from pots and pans or teapots. And I, what I do a lot is that I take out the attack of the sound so that you don't hear the actual hit of the note, but then you, you just hear the resonance of the sound, and then that can turn into a pad. Um, you sort of obscure it or mystify it. Yeah, so... I'm, I'm into it. That's like magic. Yeah, I, I like kind of like playing with something that sounds familiar, but you don't know exactly where it comes from. Uh, um, and yeah, I think... That must be why that song sounds like so homey to me. Yeah, like yeah, I feel very peaceful and, it, and, and at home when I hear that, but I don't know why. Yeah, there's a, a, a very much a domestic kind of aesthetic and, and, and feel to it because I also write all of it here and record all the sounds here too. Now... Jose, um, Amigos Poderosos, you know, I've, I've actually, I think I've seen Amigos Poderosos live more than I've seen Balloon at this point, <laughs> um, you know, and I mean, like Beverly, you know, has that very homey connection to Angelica's piece. I, I connect to, to Amigos Poderosos because I love some good synth pop and, you know, I mean, it's obviously more than just synth pop. It's like techno and like, but like I get wrapped up in it and it's like, it sounds that really sort of play to my my ear sensibilities um now <laughs> so like where does amigos poderosos come from where do you get the the inspiration for the sound tell me a little bit about the project sure um so amigos poderosos uh it comes from me usually when i'm making like a balloon track i go through a bunch of experiments and um and some of them like are very like genre specific like i really like house like old school house like really like detroit techno and things like that and every now and then i try to make like a balloon track that will feature those sounds so like Entretela is one of them but most of the time uh, those songs end up in another folder in my computer um, and I had a, I had this collection of songs and I wanted to kind of like do another thing besides balloon um, so Amigos Poderosos is just me um, and then when I go and perform it's just by myself with my machine so it's like another outlet for balloon which you know is pretty cool because it gives me um, ideas that then I can bring into balloon uh, but like generally um, I wasn't I wasn't like a club kid or anything like right. that I would go to like raves and things like that so that's like my memory of like live loud electronic music um, but I'm always I've always been into like live performers so Amigos Poderosos is kind of like me trying to be like an or like that group Orbital from the 90s or, whoa throwback you know like I really want the little like headlights on uh, <laughs> uh, the little thing um, but I really like that that feeling of like having like full-on synthesizers and machines and computers and just being in control um and yeah i've been performing for like the last four years um anyone who invites invites me i go i go out and play um and through that uh, amigos poderosos 
the name comes from because I've met all these wonderful musicians through Balloon over Twitter and uh, I haven't released anything yet because Amigos Poderosos is going to be like a it's going to be like a singles project. Okay. Everything that I'm going to release is going to be a single, but I'm going to invite one of my powerful friends, one of my Amigos Poderosos. So I have a bunch of people lined up um, doing remixes for me, and they're asking, where are, when are you actually going to release this <laughs> stuff? I already made you a remix. Um, I just, listen, I just need to find time to kind of like finish the tracks because I play them live, and it's so much fun. And I, I just feed off from the energy of live performing. But then when I'm at home and I'm trying to put together like the song, like on the computer, like sequencing, I'm like, uh, this is boring. Like I would much rather do like a live performance, like capture it to tape, um, kind of like in the style of like that label um, Long Island Electrical Systems, which a lot of their stuff is like straight live to tape for performances, unedited and things like that. So maybe that's the route I will go. Well, the, the, the sets of, I mean, the, the Amigos Poderosa sets feel very improvisational. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure that there is like connecting threads, like there are tra specific tracks, but yeah. like, it's never like song is over, applause, oh, we yeah, start yeah. the next one. It's just, it feels like it's like a continuous, like 45 minute set. So like, yeah. is it, I mean, do you prefer like the structured sort of songs or how do you, I guess, negotiate that sort of improvisation that you do live? Um, so I do have like a, like a set like structure for like the order of the songs that I'm going to play. But it's mostly like if I'm we're putting like a DJ set together mm. where, where I'm like blending one song with the other. Um, and that actually comes from listening to a lot of Orbital because they have like their uh, like their brown album. There's like a song that sounds like it has like three parts but it's just like three different songs um, just stitched together. And wow. that's, that's what I actually want to do. Um, so maybe when I release the music, it's going to be like the songs won't have like a hard stop or a hard start. They're just going to be like mixed out. So I'm, I'm trying to balance that out. But I really like having just one thing that flows. Like usually when I play, I'm like, I'm Amigos Poderosos. This is the only time I'm going to talk on the microphone. And then I just start. <laughs> that is true, guys. Yeah. That is exactly what he does. <laughs> um, now, we are also debuting an Amigos Poderosos track today. Yeah. Yeah. After uh, saying all these things about not having like a good time putting songs together. <laughs> there's one of them that actually, because it was meant to be a balloon track. Oh, OK. So I had I had to put together a demo for my bandmates. Um, but it was too it was too weird. It was too busy for Angelica to sing on top of it. So okay. this is one of my this is what I envision being the second single of Amigos Poderosos. Um, so it doesn't have a title. It just have a bunch of random numbers. Yeah. That I titled. So I was that I, say, I was like, is it one twelve, one twelve, or uno, yeah. uno dos? Or? It's just a way for me to keep track of when I made tr uh, songs. Okay. So I'm like, oh, I made that that day, um, oh. or that's the I was, or that's when I started making that song, um, mm -hmm. until I come up with like a title. You know, that's how Juana Molina's Wed Twenty One album was. Oh, oh really? Yeah. yeah, like that's true. It was like that was the day that she like finished it or something. Mm -hmm. She's like done. Nice. It's, it's, it's a nice feeling, like. But then on the other hand, like you see the date that you started the track, and then you're like, oh man, the years keep passing by, and I haven't <laughs> finished this track. Uh, but this is a good one. This is more like, um, uh, like I really like UK, like like future bass and like UK funky and like IDM. So this one is like all those elements were trying to be like a little bit more tropical. Cool. Okay, so we're gonna play that now again. This is Amigos Poderosos, the track at least right now, is called 112112. Uh, and yeah, enjoy. Dance around the room. We'll be right back. 
was really cool. Um, we're super stoked to be premiering not one, but two songs for the first time ever Holy on crap. Song Mess. <laughs> what is happening? Having panic attacks. And, um, and popcorn. <laughs> I just learned the best story. Um, we were talking while uh, that we were listening to that song that um, you were teaching uh, music production to kids in the Bronx. Yep. And you actually ended up learning a lot from them that ended up influencing Balloon. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so I was teaching um, um, like middle and high school kids in the Bronx, and they came from all, all over the world, and they were like showing me like, oh, I, li- I like trap music, I like South African stuff, and then they would be like, I want to learn how to make that. So I would go home, and then I would go on and learn like how to make a trap beat. So because I had kids from all over the world, I learned how to make all these beats so I could show them, and a lot of that stuff ended up in Prisma Tropical. Um, so all the trap leaning stuff I learned because of the kids. And then there's a song called Af, well, as of now it's called Afrobeats. And it has like a huge, like, uh, African house section. Um, that's because one of my kids showed me that genre and I was like, this is awesome. And then I just learned how to make those beats. Afrobeats are kind of my favorite thing, but more on that another time. Also, by the way, you guys, the Prisma Tropical is the name of the new Balloon record. Oh yeah. Um, which since we have premiered a balloon track uh what can you guys tell us about the new balloon record well the new balloon record will be out in febrero 2018 so so it's gonna be in a couple of months out we're really excited about sharing that with the world it's been it's been a long process but we're we're happy with with what you're gonna listen to are super excited about that. Um, so one thing, uh, you know, that we do with every podcast is, you know, our guests bring some songs that are maybe not their songs, but are songs that they are pretty into. And we're doing something that's also a first for us, really kind of unique, is um, Angelica said she could share with us some songs um, of other Latinx uh, modern composers, new music, how do you how do you want to talk about this movement? Yeah, it's always tricky because people say classical music. It's not um, classical. But it's not classical. Um, I think new music is for me what feels less weird. I would say um, because the, another term that I really don't like is acad- academic music. And that, that's super awkward. But what yeah. about like modern composing? Is it? But we're not modern anymore, even are right, we? Right. That's another thing. Then, um, but. This, so this is more new We're music. I do have one that's a modern composer that's long been gone, but it's okay. one of my big influences, so I thought I would play him. Um, but besides that, uh, all of the other composers are, are living. Um, so I like saying music by living composers or new I like music. That. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a cool movement. It's especially like active in New York. There's kind of like, from what I understand, like a loft scene of young people getting together and sharing compositions and things like that. Of course, there's always been something like that. Like uh, New York has always been a great place for experimental composers doing amazing things. I don't even have to go into it. Um, it's but, the reason I'm uh, the reason I'm here. <laughs> so, um, you know, so what is so? What's the first song that you wanted to share with us, though? So I wanted to share uh, this piece. That's actually a, it's not a composed piece, but it's an improvisation. Uh, by the great Alfonso Fuentes. He was my teacher when I was studying in the conservatory in Puerto Rico. And he's uh, not only a great composer, but he's one of 
the most amazing improvisers I've seen in my life. I, yeah. I agree. I think he's the best piano improviser I've ever seen. Or, yeah. and, and he's just brilliant and smart and he has great ideas and he can combine like musical trends for, from any period and just Yeah, he's like an encyclopedia of different yeah. um yeah, he's of different genres and also styles from around the world and also from Baroque to like, you know, salsa and and he he also plays a lot of popular music, so that kind of infiltrates in his music. And this That's one thing I find really interesting, not to interrupt you, but mm -hmm. um a lot of uh, a lot of musicians that I like who are indie rockers have a classical background, or you know they're classically trained musicians, and so then they play indie rock. But then maybe they'll also do something. They'll end up doing something that's very like, um, what someone might call like more traditional classical composing, yeah. but not classical. Yeah, they'll, yeah. They'll do something more for like more composed. Maybe like for classical instruments. Um, so, it, you know, there's a lot of crossover now, and that's really interesting. Just like, you know, um, over the years, there's been a lot of crossover between, you know, academic, what you actually academic composers or people who are in the academy and things that are more, um, you know, for, uh, you know, you know, meant for orchestras or meant for chamber mm -hmm. music or composed for a specific setting like that. And... Um, you know, experimental artists who are making noise on um, tin cans in a garage somewhere. Like, there's a, it's a sort of a really interesting continuum, you know, like there's not really a hard line these days, I think, between like mm -hmm. a composer and like a rock and roll weirdo. Yeah, and I think New York is definitely at the center of, of that. I mean, it happens with other genres and, and other places too, um, but I think one of the big things... Um, of why I'm here in New York is precisely because of that. And because I, when I lived in Puerto Rico, I used to have this kind of two separate lives and of like one side of the conservatory life of like writing for a string quartet or, and then like playing in balloon at night or, and then I never combined the two. And when I moved to New York, it kind of started, uh, happening very organically and yeah. And worlds collided. Worlds collided. Mm -hmm. and that's, then, that's what happens here. And I was finally excited about the music I was writing for a string quartet that didn't happen that much before. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds uh, kind of absurd to say it now, but it's really just about writing the music I wanted to listen to. Um, but that's not always the, true, the truth when you're writing music for orchestras or chamber ensembles or classical instruments because you're doing that while you're studying in academia and then there's kind of a whole cultural baggage and practice that comes with that um, in which people are writing things that a lot of the times look really interesting on paper and are great to talk about in a seminar but they're not so excited about listening to them. Like you'll get you'll get a good grade on it but it's not <laughs> yeah. what yeah. you... So, so yeah, um... Well, so let's maybe let's play the song and then let's talk about it. Great. Thank you. 
that was uh, Historia de Vieques by Alfonso Fuentes, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so what can you tell me about that song? What, what, is, what is the story of Vieques? Um, What's so going on in, that, in, in all th- that? So that's, uh, I mean, there's a, a lot to talk about there, um, but I'll, I'll, I think I'll summarize that Vieques, like Vieques is a small island that's part of Puerto Rico. And um, it was occupied by the U.S. Navy for over 60 years. And um, it was, you know, used for a lot of, of, like, military training exercises and bombs and... and Even, like, nuclear testing, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, and, and, and a lot of the, uh, the population in Vieques uh, is sick as a direct result of, of that. So in 2003, they finally got, got them out. Um, but, uh, well, they, like five years before that, they mm-hmm. accidentally killed oh, right, uh, yeah. a resident of Vieques yeah. and that kind oh. of like started the whole, which actually yeah, this piece guard. has a specific moment in which, um, uh, Alfonso and the improvisation uses kind of the, I don't know how you call that, but the, the, um, uh, dum, ba, bum, bum, ba, ba. the I'm not like seeing it right. The funeral, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For in the military. Yeah, the motive of the funeral uh, motive, yeah, and that's kind of portraying that moment that Jose was talking about. Yeah, you want to add something there? You know? Um, no, I I just wanted to to add that uh, the the diaspora uh, when the movement for the uh, the occupation of of Vieques started, like the diaspora uh, here, they played an important mm-hmm. role in, in that whole movement. Uh, so, so it was a, a joint effort. And I, I, just, I just thought that with the hurricane now, the diaspora has been also vital in, in like bringing the story into like news and media. So mm-hmm. it, it was like yeah. a connection there. Like, yeah. and, and I feel that in the last two weeks after the hurricane, the diaspora also it was vital for the story to to be covered mm-hmm. and it's um it's it's interesting because it's such a complex relationship you know because it's it's a diaspora of people who have the same status you know they're like um puerto ricans in puerto rico are american citizens puerto ricans here are american citizens mm-hmm. and yet the relationship to the united states and Puerto Rico isn't always that of a place that is part of this country. At yeah. least that's how they seem to act sometimes. And that's one. And that's one of the reasons why I brought this improvisation because it starts with uh, our national anthem, La Borinquena, and it's full, beautiful glory. And then all of a sudden, and and um, and in a very kind of ominous way, the. U.S. anthem starts creeping in and taking over, and then there's kind of in the middle of the piece there's this kind of um, battle between the two, and, the, and and then at the end um, we hear we hear our national anthem come back, and and it's I think there's no one else like Alfo- that than Alfonso Fuentes that could actually capture the complexity of our relationship to the U.S. in such a Profound, meaningful, and also beautifully in aesthetic terms in music. And so that's that's one thing that you were particularly thinking of lately, as uh, the relationship between Puerto Rico and the United States is on everyone's minds right now. Yes. Um, it's a uh, no. It's just really um, 
it's really awful to see and it's it's really awful to hear about but um you know uh Angelica you just right before we recorded this like you just had to be on the phone with your dad right at that moment because that's when he could get signal and that's mm-hmm. when you have to talk and right. one thing he had to say from what I understand he needed batteries yeah he was asking for for AAA batteries and um we're putting together a uh, package to send them with uh, Nora, who's uh, here until Saturday, and then she's gonna uh, be our savior and send uh, and and deliver hand deliver a lot of of things because, as we all know, one of the things that, as Nora said, the diaspora has been um, essential in 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 this story of of Maria, but also we've sent a lot of help that we don't know where it is and and it's taken way too long to get to the right yeah. hands so uh, so it's you know for us it's just priceless that we get to have someone that will de- deliver things to our family and um now communication is like over the past couple of days it's getting a little better so but still it's um like I think all, yeah. all of us yeah. here that are not there are, or also them over there too. It's always like constantly on our phones, just like, because we don't want to miss that call and that moment yeah. that that person had signal and, and was able to communicate. Yeah. yeah. Even in like, we, we went to play in Colombia right after the hurricane passed and we had to take like the international plan so that we could be there in case someone calls. And, um, and that, and that was the case. Like they, they called us like on Friday or something. And but in even, your case, you heard where you took like almost a week for you to hear from yeah, your dad. Even when we played on Saturday, I put up my phone on my lap, on my, like when we were performing, I put it on my whatever um, on my table where I have my laptop on my controllers mm-hmm. and in my mind I was like if my mom calls right now I'm going <laughs> to stop playing I don't care I'm going to take the call I don't mind um, I'll let the track <laughs> do its job um, but yeah that's that's how it's been and even at work today like my mom called and I was like sorry guys I have to take this um, they're understanding but it's it's a tough situation to be yeah. when you're like on call 24-7 just Right, to make sure and that sometimes you, sure you get the call, and it's like, and then you can't. It's always like, "Hola, sí, me escucha, me escucha, me escucha, todo bien, me escucha," and it's like, you can't hear each other, and yeah. And I'm now, sure it's like really like high anxiety, like yeah. a state to be in from day to day. Now, I, um, you know, I, I definitely want to talk about Colombia in a little bit, but. Um, Nora, you know, because the hurricane messed up the island so bad, you couldn't make it to Colombia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I wanted to ask a little bit about what it's like on the ground in the island right now. Like, you know, um, I think this is, it's really cool that we have all of, all three of you here because like, it's a, it's been a story that's played out on both ends, right? It's just the, the, the families and the diaspora that's disconnected from the island and then the people actually living stuff on the ground in the island. So um, if you could tell us a little bit about what's going on, your family, your situation, and what you've been experiencing lately. So uh, after the hurricane, like even us, we, we were disconnected. So even though I live there and my parents live 15 minutes away, uh, I couldn't communicate with them, and the roads were like very dangerous, like uh, trees all over and uh, electric uh, poles. Po- poles all over. So even for us, we we were so close, but we can we couldn't communicate. So for for me, like my sister lives here in, in Oregon, and she was like trying to call us because she was like looking at the news and. And I, I didn't know what 
was she looking at? Until I came to New York on Saturday, on Sunday, and I saw CNN for the first time, and I, and I realized that all this state of emergency and all this situation, it's being portrayed to the outside on our backs because we don't know what's going on. We don't have electricity, so we don't, we don't have access to TV, just AM radio shows. And so the, the whole story, it's being brought to the US and to the global media, but even us there, we don't know what's going on like in the next like 15 minutes away or there are still towns that they don't have communication still today. It's so, a blackout and, and in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So, so it's very complex, and I mean, the, the hurricane, it was dangerous, but what we've been experiencing after the hurricane, it's a total mess, and, and we were not expecting that at all. Like, all the news collapsed. So uh, during the hurricane, we, we were listening to a, an, an AM radio, like battery-operated radio, and there was just one radio station up because all of them collapse while on the air like oh we have to leave the studio now because it's too dangerous so and they were out of the air so we've been like depending on this like vintage <laughs> means of communication but it's, it's the only means that it's been working and when I when I saw like real news and I saw like the images and all I'm like, I'm just next door to these people and, and I feel like powerless because I cannot help because I don't know what's going on. And still today, it's still like a lot of confusion and uh, people, they need help, but the, the help is getting there very slowly and we don't know where to go to get the help or like we don't have running water. We depend on a truck to come and deliver water and we don't know like where to to find that truck. So th those kind of things. And I live in San Juan, so I can't imagine like what people in other areas, rural areas in, on the island, are going through. So it's been really, really challenging. Um, so I I want to definitely continue the conversation about sort of like the response um, and uh, just how people have uh, how people are sort of rallying uh, again. Uh, you know, on the mainland, on the island. Uh, I wanna, I wanna take a music break before we go deep into that. Um, uh, Angelica, what's a good of the of the pieces that we have? What's a good sort of follow up for this? Ay, ay, ay. Well, we have a track called La Isla Magica. Is that does that at all work? <laughs> I mean, I know we were gonna close with that, but does that does that at all make sense? Oof. That is a. Uh, uh, too playful and light, I think. Um, I would actually like to to go with um, Meltdown Upshot 1, Credo, by Ma Marcos Balter, who's a Brazilian composer. He wrote this for Ensemble Del Niente and, and Deerhoof, and it's kind of, uh, for me, it, it's very soothing and calming, and and his music is very much experimental and, and very much in, into textures, and but this one in particular is very simple and simple for his music and just and kind of contemplative which I feel like I just want to listen to more of what Nora has to say and I think that this would be a kind of a a little pause that could keep us thinking about that and focus on that <laughs> 
That Super. makes sense. Okay, so let's go ahead and play that now. We'll be right back with more Balloon.
Um, so we were just talking about how um, our favorite president is like responding fabulously. Um, okay, we weren't doing any of that. We were, we were talking to Midi, the very cute dog uh, of the House of Balloon. You guys, um, this is the cutest dog oh, that like exists. This. I like House, of, House Balloon. of Balloon. The House of Balloon. You're welcome. Put it on a T-shirt. I don't even want royalties. The Casa Balloon. It's happening. Um, but yeah, but that little joke about you know hashtag not our president. Um, you know, I think I think everybody will agree that the response uh, from the U.S. government uh, in Puerto Rico has been, let's say, shitty. I feel like shitty is a good word. Um, well, we do have the worst president ever, so... I don't know. No, Obama worst, was overrated. This was the worst one. No, it's just... <laughs> every time I think... Every time I think, you know, okay, a lot of things about America are terrible. But then um, Donald Trump shows up and just blows all of the other awfulness <laughs> out of the water. What president could we possibly have that would... Oprah. Tell people <laughs> who just went through a natural disaster that, like, this is kind of, like, their fault and they need to deal with it and why is this my problem? That's basically his attitude. Well, so I guess my question is why do Puerto Ricans want everything done for them? No. Um, <laughs> no, but what I do want to know, yes, and, like, all and all that. jokes aside, and, like, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm happy that we can at least, like, you know, smile a little bit about it because it's generally shitty and, like, you know, people have lost everything and it's, like, terrifying and you don't know when, like, power and potable water will become, like, a daily accessible thing again. Um, and so I guess my question, my question again for you, Nora, um, how much of it is, is politics... Um, what is your reaction to sort of how like leadership in on the island, forget the gringos, on the island, how are people um, leading the efforts? What have you seen, again, from the community, from, again, from the leadership, from the government itself? So I'll say that in preparation for the hurricane, the government did a relatively, relatively decent job like in preparation, um, like telling people to leave flooding zones, so the, the evacuation plan, I think, was successful. Um, so those days prior to the hurricane, I thought, like, oh, these people, they, they know what they're doing. Or at least the governor uh, is portraying that he knows what he's doing. He's under control. But I think that this hurricane, I mean, was massive. And... They, they were not expecting, they were not prepared to the amount of damage that they got immediately and, and the, all the complications that came after, like in, the, in Levittown and other towns that were flooded and, and people were like waiting to get rescued. Um, so in preparation for the hurricane, I think that they were very clear with the message, like you have to prepare, you have to leave if you live in certain areas. But um, after that, I think that the community just took over. Like, there are towns that people just clear the streets, they clean everything. And I know that in certain towns, like in Utuado, the help didn't, came, didn't come up until this past weekend. So af after 10 days or 11 days, people were there waiting to get like water, medications, and and that's really heartbreaking because people are dying. And you mentioned that the president was there and they, he visited uh, Puerto Rico and, and he like measured the tragedy in terms of the deaths, deaths 
or just 16 people pass away with this tragedy. Okay, that's nothing compared to Katrina. That was a real catastrophe. So I think that was disrespectful and and I, I politics are politics and it's a shame that they're playing that political game in this situation. And I I, I don't want to, to like play any, any parts in this, but I'm glad that at least the mayor of San Juan she like she she was very strong and, and and she delivered a message and that was that message was covered by the media. And I'm glad that she did because the other politicians are just there like waiting or or just like having this conversation with the federal government to see who's in, in control. So it's, it's a matter of a game between local government and federal government who's taking over. And then I think that the, gov the government, the local government, they were just waiting to get orders from the federal government. And then they sent uh, uh, an army general, like a three-star general, who's now like leading all the logistics. But even after that, the general said, I need more help. I need more men, because this is the worst disaster I've ever seen. That's what he said when he first uh, drove from San Juan to Ceiba. So, so he saw the damage, and he, he asked for more help. So I think that Puerto Ricans, the communities, they've been key in this slow recovery path to, to recovery. Um, people are really helping each other. And like neighbors are helping each other. There's no electricity, so some people they have power generators, and you can see like extension cords running from one house to the other because people are just caring and helping each other. I have a an uncle who's diabetic, so and an, a neighbor just extended an extension cord so he can keep his insulin refrigerated. So. That's, that's the, the problem, and I think that every day, I think, oh, it's gonna get better. I try to, to stay positive, but I see that there are more complications, and, and like people in the hospitals, they need help, and the hospitals, they need gasoline to operate power generators or diesel, and we had a, a very, very uh, difficult situation with the distribution of diesel and gasoline to hospitals and to um, elderly houses. So it's been, it's been a mess, and I think that you have seen pictures of the long lines that we're like, making every day just to get essentials, gasoline, um, bread, water. There's no water like in the supermarket. like. Last Saturday, it was 10 days after the hurricane, and my mom, she made like a two-hour line just to buy a box of water in the supermarket. And then after that line, she made another an-hour line just to pay for that. So you have people, and my mom is 68 years old, so you have old people like just every day trying to survive. It's, yeah. it's Mad Max. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. And, and that's something that, like, that you're saying, like, 
like just thinking of all this like older population just job sorry the older population just trying to survive um and just like thinking about my dad like saying that he woke up at 3 a.m to get in line at 4 a.m and then to get gas and he finally got gas like at 11 a.m like how are we subjecting how is the island subjecting like the older population um, to doing things like that? You know, mm -hmm. there should be like a better way of distributing um, essentials to people so that they don't have to spend like people like my dad or my mom. They're like, oh, I'm fine. It's fine. It's fine. But, you know, they're like close to 70 and they're like spending seven hours, you know, just waiting in line for gas. Um, I didn't want to cut what no, you're no, saying, but it reminded me of like. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing is that my my main concern is that. When you're in a situation like this one, you get used to the reality, and I don't want to get to that point. Like I, I told my husband, this is not okay. This is not normal. We don't have to wait for three hours just to get into a supermarket, and we, when we go into a supermarket, there's just canned food in there, no vegetables, no fruits. And, and while people are spending all of this time just trying to get essentials to survive, that's taking time away from rebuilding, solving exactly. these problems. It, I understand why this is a really difficult situation. Yeah, and, and people, they need to go back to work. We, we can't stay in this loop for anymore. And it's been already two weeks of constant loop. There's still a curfew over there. Like, Today they extend, they, they shorten the, the period. It's from midnight through 5 a.m. But these last weeks, I mean, it started like 5 p.m. through uh, 6 a.m. curfew. So basically you spend the whole day just trying to get essentials, gas, um, bread in a bakery. And it's really, I mean, people are, are really anxious and desperate because it's not okay to to live like this. And, and it yeah, should there's stop. there's a whole other side, yeah, of it, the yeah. mental health of, of the island, yeah. too. Yeah. And, yeah, which, you know, it's not the obvious uh, death count or um, that, they're, that they're looking at now or, or people in, even people in hospitals, but how this is affecting yeah um the he's, minds of people too yeah, yeah. he's using and the, the wrong, emotional health of people he's using the wrong metrics to like understand how bad the situation is down there so those metrics are just like metrics that you will use in the press to kind of like minimize or kind of like summarize situations mm -hmm. in other countries like oh we bombed all, uh, all these towns in the Middle East and uh, we killed like a hundred mm -hmm. civilians just a hundred civilians but mm -hmm. all these things have like longer repercussions so mm -hmm. he's just looking at but the surface even if you are dumb which he is sorry even if you're dumb um, and think that that's the way to measure tragedies which we all know it's not um, there's basic common sense and human empathy that when you go to a place, you, you're not going to say that. Even if you are dumb and think that's the truth, you're not just because of human decency and empathy, but we all know that those things um, are not part of, of him. So um, before we take uh, another musical break, I did want to ask one more question on the matter. Um, so right now, we're in recovery. 
So you've been here since Sunday, and then you go back on Saturday, I believe. Um, what do you go back to? What's the future? What, I mean, what's the future of the island, and what are the possibilities? I mean, I, I go back with the hope that things will uh, go back to normal. I teach in a college, and I, I'm hoping that classes will resume within the next two weeks because people, they need to get their routines back. And so, so that's my hope, and I hope that there are more, like, less lines and groceries back, uh, supplies in the supermarket. Um, so that's, that's what I'm hoping for, and I'm taking these days in New York just to collect things. I'm going to bring stuff to family members that we know that need some supplies. Um, I'm ordering some other things that will help, like solar chargers and stuff like that, because I know that the recovery process will be slow, but I think that it is essential that our routines go back to normal. Yeah, and to add to that, just really quick, that that's another um, hope that I feel a lot of us have for the future, too, is that this is an opportunity also to look at other alternatives of, of, of being, you know, and um, in terms of of how electricity is uh, is used in the island and and because there's a whole that's a whole nother podcast but like um, but it's very complicated um, and the amount of money people pay for those yeah. services it's insane and for water too um, so yeah. so yeah we that I think um, more of a long term goal I think it's my hope that out of something really bad also comes. Um, an opportunity to reflect and, and put into action new practices that might be more sustainable. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys, on that. Um, so let's uh, let's go back to some music. Uh, what do you want to play next, Angelica? Let's go to Silvestre Revueltas. Uh, he's a Mexican composer, um, modern composer, uh, died a, a while ago, but he was active in the early 20th century. He's one of, of my biggest influences and his, the piece I want to play uh, from him is called Sense Maya. It's a, an orchestral piece. And I remember when I heard this, I was, uh, first I think it was one of the first Latin American composers that I heard. And I was at the moment very obsessed with Russian composers. Um, so if it started with an S, I loved that composer. <laughs> Stravinsky, Schnitke, uh, uh, Shostakovich, all of those, um, and I was like, "Oh, this is the Mexican Stravinsky. I love it." Um, and but it's so much more than that. That was my first impression. It's um, this piece is very ritualistic, hypnotic, and just has a very kind of um, obsessive quality about it that I love. Fantastic, thank you. So uh, again, this is Silvestre Revueltas, and then the piece is called Sensemaya. Thank you. 
All right, so um, let's keep it a little bit lighter. Um, so you guys were just in uh, in Colombia, and you were there for Hermoso Ruido. Um, let's start with how did that go? It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was our first time in Colombia uh, as a band in South America. Um, first time in Bogota, and it was a lot of fun um, going down there and seeing like the local scene and meeting friends um, like Checky from who's Algodon Egipcio for the first time. So it was kind of like a sort of like uh, reconnecting with the scene and like meeting people for the first time. And it was just a lot of fun. I mean, we went there after the hurricane passed, but um, the band stuff was a lot of fun. Yeah, we missed Nora a lot. Yeah, we um, missed Nora. Yeah. <laughs> of course. And we had like but a... We, we're definitely we, coming back. We had like a sliver of hope that maybe Nora would have been like on Saturday like... Hey guys, I found a flight. We're going there. Um, so and we I, had to I play. I had a dream too, like on you Saturday. You had that dream. Yeah. That, that Nora called me and she was like, Oh, they're at the airport open. I'm going. And then I was like, Nora, don't come. Nora, don't come. Because that, yeah. that we just had just had a terrible experience with, the, with our flight back um, because of a pilot strike. Oh, um, damn. That Bianca. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Avianca. What's up, Avianca? Who but, aren't paying our bills, but they could. <laughs> Give me my money back. But, exactly. But, um, so I, I had a, this very real dream of, like, Nora was, like, very excited that she was going to come. And I was like, no, 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 because then I don't know if you're going to be able to get back from Colombia yeah. to Puerto Rico. But, no, we really miss her company and also musically, too. It's always really weird not have her there. But, but besides that, the experience was really... Yeah, it was... It was really cool. Amazing. We got to see Algodon and Hapes live for the first time. Shout out to Checky, friend of the show. Yeah, sí, it was Chequi. a lot of fun. We got to see... Yeah, she's Mesito Hindi. Hashtag Hindi. That will be... <laughs> that might be like the name of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> uh, what, we did, what did we see? We liked La Perla, which was like an all like female like Afro-Caribbean percussion yeah, I group. Nora, um, I think Nora would have liked that one. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, we did get to see... So Mula, unfortunately, couldn't play because of the hurricane. Right. They were stuck in the it DR. Sucked. I was so oh. sad because I've never seen them live. I missed them in New York when they played. I met them at a Lido Pimienta show and we got we talked a lot. But Oh, uh, when she was just here, yeah? Yeah, yeah I yeah. missed mm-hmm. that show, the Bodega Island one. Uh, so I, met, I missed Mula in Bodega Island, but then I saw Lido Pimienta and I met really them. Good. Yeah, and then I met them um, there and I was like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm finally going to see you play it play live um but they didn't make it but who was the guy that played uh, we the got Dominican to uh, medio piki medio piki played a mula remix that yeah just yeah. made me happy so. and he played like a dembo remix of a <laughs> dembo version of an a- m83 song really like, yeah it was really every like every like white person in the room was like i know that song <laughs> like oh 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 and then he had like the dembo that beat. Was great. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was great, right? Pretty solid. Yeah, well yeah. done. Live in the studio. <laughs> Beatboxing. Uh, maybe I should do that after. But it was it was a lot of fun. He he did like a really good like DJ set and all the like uh, I'm not gonna talk crap about the the crowd, but like the the audience, which you could tell had a little bit of like more economic means. They were into it. <laughs> so I I went to Hermosa Ruido last year and that was kind of my experience. Like the the let's say indie crowd <laughs> is very like oh well I know la miniteca del miedo and I'm like <laughs> cool like it's very like I don't know I I, I find sometimes like in, indie scenes in different countries fascinating and just like yeah. you know some places people are like 
it you know I'm hot shit you yeah. know like in Brooklyn they're a little bit like that but yeah. in Mexico City everybody's like ah is it pinche like way <laughs> yeah. you know it's fun to see because you can see like like yeah like Puerto Rico you could see half and half it's like either grimy or a little bit more like fishu uh, but I think it had to do tarde with the tarde pero fishu tarde pero <laughs> we'll show you that video later stupid like Please. Puerto Rican <laughs> viral uh, crap um, but like in, in El Mozo Rido, I think the venue had a lot a lot to do uh, to do with it because it was a really really nice venue. I will not complain. Yeah. Um, but gorgeous. the area where the venue was was it Armando's? Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, that yeah. is a really good venue. Yeah, yeah, we really liked it. Um, were you on the main stage or on the upstairs? We were uh, Armando Records. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, we didn't play the the hall, but the hall was fine. Like people that were there for the. So what I liked about that particular show that we went to is that you would pay like to get in and then you would, you could see two shows. Yeah. The mm-hmm. one in the hall and then the one upstairs. Um, and it was nice. We were just going up and down, like checking out bands. But on, um, on but the other side, were you going to say something else? No. What do you think? I, I was, I was just going to say that <laughs> on the other side, we also like... Uh, had a really great time with uh, with Camilo from El Amarillo cool. uh, who showed us... Um, he gave us like a day tour that was amazing. I so. saw a picture of you guys like uh, record picking. Yes, yeah, he, he, he did a photo shoot. We spent the day shoot. with him, Adel Pulguero, and many other places, and it was it was one of the most beautiful days I've had in a while. And we all needed that. Like tensions were high, and mm. with the Avianca and the Maria drama, so I think <laughs> we all needed that day of just yeah. like enjoying beautiful Bogota. And he made that possible. So thank you, Camilo. Yes. Awesome. Okay, so let's play one, uh, another piece. Uh, what uh, What's next, Angelica? Since you are basically our DJ today. Amiga poderosa. And then we hear violin. DJ Angelica. I think let's go with Pauchi Sasaki. She's a Peruvian Japanese composer. Super talented, nice person, and she's a violinist as well. Does a lot of electroacoustic. Um, experiments and weird instruments. She has this famous dress that it's that makes sounds too. But this actually is a very like more traditional piece of her. It's for violin, um, and it's from her second album. And it's uh, I believe all music that she did for film and dance and theater. Okay, we need to get hip to this right now. Okay, I believe the track is called Le Petit Piaf.
So I will never forgive myself if I, you know, if I have Balloon in the in the studio and I don't ask about the Puerto Rican scene because I mean you guys are like a staple. Like I mean you guys are your name is synonymous with Pillars. what's happening in in standard Puerto Rico. bearers. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, yeah, I mean, leading like, lights. You know, everybody be like, oh, you know, Davila say say things, but like you guys were there like. Shout out to El Babysito. El Babysito, shout out. Shout out. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, I just want to know a little bit about your experience coming up in the scene, um, other artists that you guys like, maybe, you know, people that are not so well known, you know, shout outs for everybody. Oh, sure. Okay. First shout out, and it's hurricane related. Sorry, I'm like the hurricane (laughs) spokes, spokeswoman, yeah, correspondent. Shout out to a local in Santurce, which is a venue, um, underground scene, punk, um, they have been cooking and providing lunches for people for free, and they have like a, a calendar schedule. You can just go there and cook, and it's been great. Like I have been reading about people that they've been saying I don't have any money, and thanks to a local, I've been eating uh, through the hurricane. So shout out to them and, and for they their service, and yeah, and they they, On Sunday, they got they got their power oh, back, wow. and they got their power back. Yeah, Vigilante is already playing shows again, and this venue is serving food for the people for free? For free, yes. Yeah. Okay, and bringing joy back to people's lives, I, too. Yeah. Okay, but they, food and music. But they want everything done for them. Right. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, that was the hurricane-related note. Um, <laughs> in addition to, to that shout-out, um, I'm... I'm living in Puerto Rico now, and there's like a vibrant scene, more bands playing. Uh, they are like very disciplined now. Uh, that's <laughs> different, life. unlike Us. our our Initial time days. there, like our generation. Our, our generation, our teenage years. So it's growing up. It's growing up, growing it's around. more mature, and um, I, I don't know, I, I love Ife right now. Yes. Yeah, we're all huge yeah, fans. Yeah, we're huge what fans. And I, don't forget about La Bajura. Ah, La Bajura. La Bajura yeah. is amazing. Not because uh, De, uh, Deco is our friend, but it's really, really yeah, good. You really guys good. should pay attention to La Bajura. And he also plays with Dan Ciego, right? And Dan Ciego. He's, he's kind of like uh, embodies what we kind of like embody because Nora and I, we come from like an indie rock uh, band. And Angelica comes from like a classical. And we are used to playing multiple bands. And he has like a mass rock band. He plays mm-hmm. in Dan Ciego. He plays in La Bajura. He has another side project with um, uh, uh, Ferdi from Los Walters. So he's like all over doing like multiple genres, and which is kind of like what we like to do. Yeah. yeah. And uh, also Los Nervios, eh, yes. who's... Uh, Andres, our really good friend and uh, first guitarist for Balloon. And yeah, they put out a split EP last year. Yeah. Pretty good. And they're working on their next album. Which And we got to see them last time we were there in Puerto Rico. Yeah, at um, Club 77. Um, and maybe one little throwback to my all-time favorite band from Puerto Rico. And maybe actually band, just not from Puerto Rico, but Super Aquello is... Um, Most influential. First show I saw ever, and one of the one of the shows that really changed my life and made me think of like, oh, I why why don't I just yeah. make music and 
and and put a band together so yeah super aquello yeah, check super. them out and and los proyectos de also the projects related super aquello no longer exists now but um Eduardo Alegría tiene su proyecto um, Alegría Rampante Alegría Rampante he's awesome yeah super aquello yeah. is one of those ay la tortuga china la tortuga yeah, china just which came is out another... from super another band member from super aquello and they Francis. have an amazing demo track yes on that album completely unexpected from from them yeah But uh, yeah, super aquello. If you want to know anything about the Puerto Rican indie scene, that's like one of the bands to listen that kind of like gave birth to a lot of the stuff that's going on right now. Yeah. Um, There's lots going on. Yeah. 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 Besides Garage. So many things <laughs> to Google. Um, Google it loca. Yeah, let's Google it loca. Shout out to Los Niños in Las Vegas. Uh, and also, really, like, shout out to Las Vegas. Damn. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ooh, yeah. this episode's heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sending love to everybody out there. Um, now, Angelica, what's what's next on this place list? Okay. I think there's just one last one. Or two more. Two more, sorry. So one last one that's not from me. Uh, this is my beloved... Uh, Cuban fairy godmother Tania Leon, uh, my professor. Um, I'm currently a, can- a doctoral candidate at the Graduate Center. She's my composition professor, um, and she's one of the first uh, uh, Latino composers that I heard. And she's a, an amazing conductor too of uh, orchestral music. This is from her ballet Inura that she wrote in 2009. This is one of the movements. Um, And it's called Understandings. And yeah, she's awesome. Check it out.
we've reached the end of our show. This is lame. I don't Aww. like it. <laughs> well, it had to end sometime, but it's been really great. Pero like for real. Thanks um, for coming on the show, guys. Thanks Huge. for having us. Uh, thanks for having us. Huge shout out to Balloon, the Incredibleist, the Boricuas, Huepas. Um, <laughs> can't wait for Prisma Tropical. For real. Um, so again, please remind our listeners when is Prima uh, Prisma Tropical. Oh, I like uh, that Prima Tropical. Prima Tropical. Wepa, que la I que. have a couple oh. of those. Prima Me Tropical. Um, but yeah, so when when can uh, when can people expect the record again, and what what um, what type of sounds materials uh, can our listeners expect from Balloon in 2018? Everyone is like looking at me. <laughs> we can uh, just maybe mention things. So lots of Dreambow. Dreambow, Dream Pop, and then what's Dreambow? What's Dreambow? Um, it's like the Dream Pop, like the balloon side, mm-hmm. the side of balloon that you see, like the the glasses and the nerdiness, uh, with the Caribbean side that you don't see, which is the Dembow rhythm. So Dream Pop plus Dembow rhythm, Dreambow. Yeah, Dreambow. Was um, that accurate, Nora? Ethnomusicology. I think I like this genre term even more than I like tiny dance. (laughs) We love tiny dance. Hashtag tiny tiny dance. dance. I'm 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 Camp Dreambow. (laughs) Team Jake. I like the music made for tiny dance, but I like Camp Dreambow. Um, And then again, uh, Angelica will be performing at New Latin Wave. October 22nd at Brooklyn Bazaar. If you like the song you heard, that is not nothing, but there's a lot more where that came from. And if you are interested in groundbreaking new music, art, technology, film, literature by Latinx creative people, thinkers, innovators, you want to get down there. Um, I'm especially excited to see Angelica's show because it's new music that she's been working on and it's going to involve electronic instruments, handmade instruments. Potatoes. (laughs) Maybe some pumpkins. We'll see if I want to be topical. Um, Pumpkin spice And robotic instruments too. Maybe an accordion. Maybe. Pumpkin spice indie. A A robotic instrument? Uh, yeah, some robotic instruments. Automatic mm-hmm. music. You just okay. So we just you just don't know, but I think you want to be there. So go to <laughs> newlatinwave.com and get your tickets. That's all I'm saying. All right, and Midi Midi is clearing his throat because he's tired and it's time for us to go home. And I agree with you, Midi. <laughs> I too am tired. So um, again, one final shout out to Balloon, uh, Angelica Negron. What are we playing out with? So the last piece is uh, a piece I wrote a couple of years ago for my friend, double bassist, Eleanor Oppenheim. And um, it's called La Isla Magica. And it kind of brings together my love for two islands that are really important to me. First, of of course, Puerto Rico. And um, also Bali, that I've never been there. But um, it's I love Balinese gamelan. And so this... It's kind of like a, a tropical take on Balinese gamelan for double bass and electronics. Fantastic. Okay. So before we sign out for good, I uh, just want to remind you all that you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can always message us directly at songmessmusic at gmail.com. Uh, and Beverly, where can our listeners hear our voices, the beautiful, distinguished voices of Balloon? Where, where can they go? 
They can check us out on Stitcher. They can go to SoundCloud, subscribe on iTunes, rate us five stars. Five stars only. Estrellas. Tell us how smart we are. <laughs> Diez chocolates. Yeah. I'm already five going. lemon cakes. Um, okay, cool. So again, this is a piece by the one and only Angelica Negron. Uh, the song, the track is called La Isla Magica. I have nothing else to add because I'm exhausted and this week is amazing. My name is Richard Villegas. Beverly, anything left to add? Thanks for listening, guys. All right, we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Oh, yeah, let's do Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Oh, the-
Thank you.